In life, we bear many titles. Um, personally, for me, uh, I'm a son to my parents, to my mom and dad. I um, am a brother to my three siblings. Uh, my favorite title of all is husband to my wife. Um, it doesn't get better than that, so I could sit and talk about that for a long time. Uh, then I get to be father. I get to be father. I get to be daddy to my, my kiddos along with uh, Annette. Um, and I love it. I love it. I love being a father. I, I, I was thinking this morning, um, I, I can't, could never imagine, right, doing life without hearing my little five-year-old say, Daddy, when I walk in the door. Um, and, and when that eventually starts changing, I'm going to be longing for that, you know? And I, I love to hear that. I love to hear that. Um, I, I love the silliness of being a father as, as well. In fact, recently, I've been in, invited to engage in dancing uh, in, our, in our family uh, and encouraged highly by my 13-year-old Grace. And so, um, I, I guess, does that mean I'm not Baptist anymore? Is that what that means? <laughs> Some of y'all might be saying, well, there's a few, you know, that <laughs> uh, there's this dance, and it kind of goes like this. <laughs> it, what's it called? What's it called? And sometimes you got to get two hands into it. So that's fun. So that's one cool thing about being a dad, all right? Some of you guys are thinking, is that a dance? Uh, <laughs> the, I don't know what the comment was. We'll save that for later. Uh, but I was thinking last night, man, I, I woke up this morning and my back, I'm like, man, why is my back hurting so bad? And I started thinking it wasn't just the dancing, but it was also my five-year-old would not uh, stop jumping on me. We were at some friend's house in a pool, and she just kept jumping. And, and it's one of those things as a dad, it's like, you just don't want to tell them, like, all the fun stuff, but you, did, you just don't want to tell them no. Like, I, I, like, I'm at that point where I just, I'm like, hey, this, you know, it's going to run out. So I'm like, hey, let's, let's live it up. Let's, let's have fun. But she's just jumping big time and just wearing me out. And then I started thinking about my 10-year-old um, starts hitting me. I was in the kitchen of this family's house, and he starts, like, going at me, and so last night, I'm thinking, what are you, what are you doing, because he knows if he goes at me, he's in here, so he's going to hear this and be reminded of this, if he goes at me, I'm coming, and, <laughs> and, and he'll start talking smack, so, man, we just start, I mean, we're at some friend's house, we just start wrestling, and it's funny, everybody's having conversations, eating, eating, and here, I'm looking up, and I'm like, Pierce and I are like going at it, and it's like nobody is even bothered by it, or, I mean, and so we're just going at it, and so I, I think I'm done, and all of a sudden, he comes up behind me, and I'm like, why are we doing this at a dinner we were invited to? So like, I started realizing this morning why I hurt. Like, I hurt very poorly, very badly this morning, and so, but, but I, I will say this, I, there, there is no greater joy than getting to be father along with Annette as her mother, and I, I love that title, um, and this morning, Jesus, I think above all, wants us to know that there is a God in heaven who 
wants to be our father. And there is an invitation in this text this morning. And I want you to see it as that because this is a very familiar text. Some of us have the prayer memorized. In fact, as George were reading, we were like, whoa, whoa, what a second, you forgot something, you know, because there's other parts when you are in Matthew to this, and we know it. We know it from our history and our background. But I want to move you away from the familiarity, right? Did I say that right? Um, that we know, and I want us to see this very fresh this morning, that this is Jesus saying to these disciples, hey, you, you, you are really, when you're asking me about prayer, you're really asking me about a relationship with the Father that you can have. And what does it look like? And so let's look at that this morning. First thing that happens, verse 1, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples as he did often. And they were in this certain place in verse 1. And after he had finished praying, because he did that a lot, and Luke picks up on that, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John, speaking of John the baptizer, also taught his disciples. Now, first thing I want you to hear this morning, in fact, let's back up a slide if we could do that. Can we do that? That we are to have a teachable spirit, right? We are to be teachable. That's what a disciple is. A disciple is a learner. Um, it's a follower. That's who a disciple is. A, t- a learner who follows their teacher. And so in this case, the disciple with a teachable spirit simply asking Jesus, teach us to pray. Now back then it was not unusual in the first century for Jewish groups to have their own prayers, a way of expressing a corporate identity. And so the disciples wanted a distinctive prayer is basically what they were asking for, much like John the baptizer and his disciples would have had. And so that would reflect their relationship to God as followers of Jesus. And so he asked, teach us, Lord, to pray. They had seen Jesus pray often. And so what is prayer? When we hear this word pray or prayer, what, what is prayer? Real simply this morning, I want you to see prayer as simply communicating to God. And you think about it in communication, right? Whether it's with your spouse or your kids or friends or whatever, what's happening in communication? Well, you're speaking, but you're also listening. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is speaking to the Father, but it's also listening to God as well. And so prayer uh, can be silent from the heart. Prayer can also be journaling when you're thinking and talking to God. You can be writing them out. Prayers can also be in singing to God, as we've sung this morning. Uh, maybe for some of you, it's, it's been a time of prayer. And uh, even after the sermons, we sing a little bit more, a time of prayer uh, as well. And so it, when it comes to prayer, we're all in different places. Uh, prayer is one where we find ourselves in different seasons, uh, in different times of life. Um, and so what that means is all of us can always learn when it comes to the area of, of prayer. And there's none better to learn from than Jesus. And that's what he does. He teaches his disciples. And look what he teaches his disciples. Look at verse 2. And this is where I want us to really look and to see what Jesus is really calling us to when it comes to prayer. And so look what he says. He says, and he said to them, when you pray. And so I think the first thing you need to understand is as a disciple, okay, the question here is not if we pray, right? He's saying when you pray. Prayer is part of a disciple's life. A follower of Jesus prays. It says, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name. 
Now, this is huge. Why is this huge? Jesus says when you pray, your focus should be on the Father. That's the goal. And I don't want you to miss that. Because this isn't just like some entry. This isn't just like Father. You know, this isn't just like, hey, we're just, I'm just getting that in because I want to make sure you know who I know that you are the Father. Just want to make sure we got that down. Now, that's not the point. The point is there is a focus here to the whole prayer and what prayer really is. And it's about communing with the Father. It's about meeting with the Father. The Bible testifies that God is three in one, that he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three separate persons. And what's amazing is the Bible says that we can know God. We can know the Father through the Son and that the Holy Spirit comes and resides and lives in us. Isn't that amazing? John 1, 12 tells us, but as many as received him, Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in Jesus' name. So those who believe in Jesus can become children of God to where we can know the Father. Ephesians 2.18 tells us that for through Jesus, we both, Jews and Gentiles, all different ethnicities, all different walks of life, all right, that covers the whole world. Guess what? It says we can have our access in one spirit to the Father through Jesus Christ. And so this is for everybody. Everybody can communicate. Everybody can have a relationship with God this way. But it's only through Jesus that we can know the Father. And so as his children, we have access to the Father through Jesus in one spirit. And so as disciples, we are children with a Father who adores you and I. He adores us. And Jesus says we're to pray to him. So with the first word of his prayer, Jesus is simply saying, I want to invite you into a relationship with the Father, to meet with the Father, to commune with him. Now this is good because sometimes prayer can become this this rote thing, this, this uh, mode that maybe we get stuck in, that we get stuck in ruts. And so my prayer today is that we would see prayer as the most important thing in our relationship with God and it would grow out of the ruts that we might be in this full, vibrant, intimate, fruitful relationship with God as we pray. And so first we see that God is our Father. And that's the focus when we pray. We're praying, we're meeting with the Father. Second thing we see, look at the next part of verse two. He says, when you pray to the Father, Jesus says, pray, Father, hallowed be your name, okay? Now again, this isn't some distinctive prayer that we are supposed to be praying word for word every day, okay? Is it bad that you do? No, but, but that's not the goal. That's not Jesus' goal. The goal is he wants to show you you are invited to have a relationship with the Father, and he's given you the great gift of prayer to do that. It's communicating to him. You get to speak to him and listen to him. So as you do, pray this way and say, hallowed be your name. Mean this, he wants you to see God as holy, okay? Hallowed means that one is holy or one is different. One is separated from, in this case, darkness and his light. Separated from death and his life. Um, it it's also means... Um, that he is continually and all the time good, okay? And so he is holy. He is different than us. There's no sin in God. So when we pray, we pray to the Father, a God who is unchanging, who is altogether 
perfect and good. That's who, the God, that's who God is. That's who the Father is. And so when we acknowledge God as holy, something else is happening too. And this is what prayer does when we meet with the Father. It humbles us. It humbles us and reminds us who we are. Because we start seeing God as who he is, it starts causing us to examine our own life and remember who we are, that we are not holy, that we are not perfect, that we are sinful. And so as we pray, we see God as holy, but in light of that, how should we approach him? Humbly, not rarely, but often we should approach him. And it shouldn't be just when we're in need, right? We're going to see in just a second, we should go to him when we're in need, but it's not just about the 911 calls, right? He wants to meet with us. And so those times should be special, right? They don't have to always be 30 minutes long or an hour long. It can be throughout the day, just as Paul says, we're to pray without ceasing. But we're to see him as we pray to him as he is holy, and we humbly come to him, and we're dependent on him. But our Father is holy. Not only that, our Father is king. How do we see that? Look at verse 2. It says, your kingdom come. What does this mean? Well, our God is king of a kingdom. And so that's who your heavenly Father is. He is a king. He is king of kings. He rules. He reigns over all kingdoms, has authority over all things. And right now, there's a war going on between the kingdom of the enemy and between the kingdom of God, the kingdom of darkness, and the kingdom of light. And it is battling on. It is raging. And the enemy's goal is to still kill and destroy. But the goal of God, the kingdom of God, is to give life and to give it abundantly. But there is a battle going on. But one day, and I want you to hear that, the Father's kingdom will prevail. His kingdom will not be thwarted. His kingdom will not be overcome. But he will prevail. He will crush Satan, his demons, and they will be put to an end forever. And his kingdom will reign forever. And so as we're praying, God, we long for that. We, we long for your kingdom to come. And when Jesus Christ comes back at his second coming will be the culmination of the kingdom of God here on earth, the new heavens and the new earth. And we look forward to that. That is our destiny. And we long for that. So that's part of our prayer is come, Lord Jesus, bring your kingdom. But this prayer isn't just for later. It's for now. We're praying, God, you are king. You are king over all. And you will crush the enemy. And we're asking, Lord, bring your kingdom now. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Because I think that's what Jesus is saying. Kingdom here now. So what does that mean? I think it means this. The kingdom of God was present when Jesus was here on earth. You remember Jesus would say, the kingdom of God is present in your midst. Think about this. Where is the kingdom of God present now? In the hearts of those who know Jesus. That's where the kingdom of God resides and presides. And so the kingdom of God, right, is present through the church, the people of God here on earth. And so what we're saying, God, your kingdom come, is this. Lord, through your people, through your church, do your kingdom work here on earth. That's what we're praying. That's what we're asking the Lord to do. God, bring your justice through your people. God, Feed the poor through your people. Feed the hungry. Provide for the poor. Lift up the marginalized. God, 
help those who have been wiped out by a flood. I think it also most definitely includes evangelism too. God, bring your kingdom to the hearts of those who are controlled by the kingdom of darkness. And may now your kingdom reside in their heart. And so we take what? The message of the gospel. That's praying, God, your kingdom come. So what's prayer also? Prayer is we're meeting with our Father. It changes us. He's holy. We want to be holy like him. But it also does something else. Prayer is interesting because as we're praying these things, as we're praying, Lord, your kingdom come, he also wants you and I to be the answer to that. You got it? What he's saying is as you're praying this, I want you to be, I would say, the fulfillment of this. I want you to live out the kingdom. It's pretty cool that we could do that. And students and adults who went this week, you guys were that. You were the kingdom come in Lumberton. Isn't that pretty cool? Pretty cool. Now look at the next thing he says. Give us each day our daily bread. Our father is gen- generous. That's the next one. He's not stingy. He's not greedy, right? But he wants us to come to him. And to ask when we're in need, when we're in need. Um, I was thinking this week of this little statement, give us each day our daily bread. And this really hit me. Uh, Annette one night this week made this penne pasta thing that just, man, really did me in. I ate like half of it, right? And when I said did me in, like I, like I was involved in it. Like I was like, I'm going back, I'm going back. Like, yeah, I was involved. And so we were just, I was like, just overwhelmed with just goodness. And so it was good. But I started, what was crazy about it is I started going back to the, this text and I started thinking, that wasn't a daily bread. <laughs> that was like three daily breads. <laughs> but it got me thinking through this text a little bit and thinking, sometimes we're far removed from this, this little part of this prayer, right? We, we are. I, I am. I am. I, when I sit down, I... I mean, I got to be honest, we're, my wife and I were kind of joking about this the other night, but also I think there was some seriousness in it, is, man, usually when I'm sitting down, it's, it's I don't know if it's, if it's ever a daily bread, man. It's more than that. And so it's hard sometimes to understand this, but maybe you've been there before where you didn't know where your next meal was going to come from, right? Maybe as a poor college student, you've known that. Or, or maybe you didn't know where... Man, how are you going to buy groceries that next week? And, and maybe you've been there before. Maybe new, just starting off in life and maybe newly married or, or maybe you just lost a job or, and you don't know how you're going to make the, the house payment. And this is kind of real also in the sense of think about just, just living paycheck to paycheck as well, right? I mean, so there's, there's reality to understanding this, but what does this mean? I think it's just real simply what, what Jesus is saying is God is, is generous. He's our provider. He wants to meet our needs. But as I remember, I'll never forget hearing Tony Evans preach one time on this text. He said this, God wants to meet your needs, but not your greeds. Now, Tony Evans said that with a bunch of hip-hop stuff going on. That was cool, but just I understood it. It stuck, and I thought, man, isn't that so true? God meets our needs, not our greeds, and he wants us to come to him and ask what we need. 
And I think the other side of this is also as we pray to God, God turns our heart to be generous, that we become the answer to this prayer too of helping provide daily bread for those who are in need as well. The next thing he says, look at verse 4, and forgive us our sins, for we also, ourselves, also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And so the next thing we see is our Father forgives sins, right? This is huge. This is huge. This is what will eventually get Jesus killed, right? Because he said he could forgive sins. Your sins are forgiven. And he was basically saying he was God. And that's what will eventually get him killed. We all sin, the Bible says. Romans 3.23 makes that real clear. All sin falls short of the glory of God. But when we sin, who do we sin against? And I think Jesus shows us two things going on here. Psalm 51.4 tells us, as David says, after his big sin debacle with Bathsheba and eventually killing um, her husband, says, against you, God, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. We all need to be forgiven of our sin against God. We have all sinned against God. But not only do we sin against the Father, we also sin against each other at times or others at times as well. And so he says here, the Father forgives. And so what does that mean, that the Father forgives? It means that God chooses to interact with you and I based on not what we have done, but based on what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for us. That's how he relates to us, seeing us as new creations. Our debt is given up because Jesus paid for it. And so God does not hold it against us anymore because Jesus paid the price for us. And so we're forgiven. So the question is, what does forgiveness look like for us towards others? It's really the same. It's the same. We don't hold that debt against that person anymore. Because when we do, what we're doing is, is when we're not willing to forgive, when we choose unforgiveness over forgiveness, we're letting a root of bitterness take place and begin to take place. And what happens a lot of times is when we do that, we start becoming like those who hurt us, don't we? That's my experience. And guess what? God wants us to be freed from that. And so that's why forgiveness is so important. That's why Jesus says here, you, we've got it, we're called to forgive others as well. But that's hard. It's really easy up here to say that, but, it, but it's hard. Because there's sometimes the offenses against us are heavy and big. And we, we can be stubborn. And we like to hold on to it. And we want justice. So what is forgiveness? Well, let me tell you what forgiveness doesn't mean. Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. I hear that sometimes, and that's not always true, okay? So I want you to know that and be freed from that thinking. Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. It doesn't mean you're denying the wrongdoing, okay? Forgiveness is not enabling somebody, okay? Forgiveness is not approving or diminishing sin either. You ever had somebody where you've forgiven someone? They're like, how could you do that? Because what they feel like you're doing is you're diminishing the offense when they did. No, you're diminishing what they did to you by forgiving. You're not diminishing what they did. You're not letting it have a hold on you. Forgiveness is not ceasing to feel pain. The offense may hurt. The pain may come up years later 
and continue to come up. So it doesn't mean pain ceases. Forgiveness is not neglecting the justice. Forgiveness also doesn't mean trusting. Now, trust may come, right? But it doesn't mean ultimately and immediately that there's trust. And forgiveness is not even reconciliation, right? So what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is you not holding on to that debt against that person anymore. Whoever offended you, whoever sinned against you, you're releasing them of that debt and the hold that it had on you, and you're no longer enslaved to that. It takes two to reconcile, right? So one forgives, but there has to be one who repents, and then two who reconcile. Remember what Paul said? Paul says, as much as it is impossible to live at peace with all men, right? And so what that means is that may mean, hey, we forgive, but they may not repent. And therefore, reconciliation may not happen. But what Jesus is asking us to do here is do your part. What's our part? Forgive. And so in praying, what do we see here? The Father forgives us, right? Not only that, we're to forgive others, just as we've been forgiven. And so that leads to the next one. Look what happens next. He says, lead us not into temptation. We live in a world full of trouble, folly, and sin, and temptation. The kingdom of darkness is at war against the kingdom of light. And so what do we see here? Jesus is saying, know that the Father leads well. He leads well. James 1.13 says that God does not tempt us with evil. He does not tempt us at all. There is a tempter, though, right? It's the enemy. He is the one who tempts us to go and lead us into evil, sin, darkness, and brokenness. And so I love this part here. Actually, probably one of my favorite part of the whole prayer. Because I want you to picture this, is that you're looking up at God, and you're saying, God, and you're grabbing his hand, just like a child does his, does his dad or her dad. And you grab the father's hand, and you look up and say, you know what? Lead me. Lead me. I don't know what's coming. This world is scary. There's things I don't want to be led into, so lead me because I know you know what's ahead and I know you can lead me through it. And so, Father, lead me through this day. Lead me through this next hour, right? That's really what he's saying here. And so I want us to see that. Lead us not into temptation. God's not the tempter. He's not gonna tempt us, but he is the leader and he leads well. And you want him to lead you through this day. So you do not fall into sin. So you fear sin and hate sin. I don't want to go anywhere near it. I don't want to go any near through that folly, that trouble that's around. Father, lead me. And that's what we're asking. Take me through it. And then lastly, look at this last part. Verse 5. Then he said to them, Jesus does. So he just got through saying, here's your father. You're invited to pray and meet with him daily. And know this, lastly, our Father is good. He is good. Look at verse five. Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, do not bother me. The door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed. 
I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend, yet because of his persistence or literally shamelessness, right? He will get up and give him as much as he needs. Now, this is a real situation in the first century. You would make bread, maybe the beginning of the day, and that would be your daily bread. And as people would come, you know, family or friends would come over, you would feed them with what you had. Well, this is a scenario where a visitor comes at midnight. It's late, and they don't have anything for that day. This isn't somewhere where you can just throw dough and yeast in the microwave and you got bread, right? Can't even do that today. But anyway, <laughs> some kid is going to try that today. Like, yeah, that would not be a cool dude perfect video. That would not work, guys. So anyway, so... <laughs> that's good man that, that was, I'm glad you're still laughing I thought that was pretty funny too alright <laughs> so <laughs> so oh my goodness you'll get me laughing alright okay so here we go so it, it was a real story and so if somebody comes though and wants bread you're supposed to be hospitable and it wasn't just a, your house, but it was a community deal. And so you go to a friend, and it was their responsibility to give you what they had. And so this is a great scene, right? I mean, imagine somebody, Eric, imagine I came over to your house at midnight, right? You'd love that, right? I'd be, actually, I wouldn't go to your house. I'd, you'd shoot me. <laughs> but, so let's do it this way. Imagine you came, imagine you came to my house, right? Matt, let's do that, because I, I wouldn't shoot you. So imagine you came to my house, you knocked on my door, and at midnight, and I'm thinking, what in the world, you know? What in the world is this? And the first thing I'm thinking, if I open the door to this person, one, I don't know who this person is, but then I see it's Eric, and then uh, I'm thinking, okay, I open the door, but, I, you know, I'm in a one-room house. That's what this is, okay? And so there's not separation going on here, but I'm thinking, He's going to wake Eliana up, and then what that means, Eliana going to get in bed with mom and dad. And so this is going to disrupt the whole family. So this is what's really going on here. But he says, with persistence, he didn't stop. <laughs> Shameless. And he gets the bread. What's the point? He's saying, hey, that's who our father is. Be shameless. Be persistent. Go to our father. 24-7, he's there. Right? And what's the principle that he gives us based on this parable? So I say to you, verse 9, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. So we continually go to the Father with persistence, asking, asking, seeking, knocking. That's what prayer is. And so it may be that job that you've been praying for and you've been asking and you've been seeking. And seeking also includes doing, right? Get that resume together, applications, interviews. I mean, there's a doing part to this too. But you're asking and you're seeking and you're knocking. Don't give up on that person. Don't give up praying on that person. Don't give up praying on that. And as we ask the Father, sometimes it's yes and sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's later or not yet, just like parents, right? But prayer works. And so trust him. So keep asking. Keep knocking. 
And look what he gives. In verse 11, we'll close with this. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or is he asked for an egg? He will not give him a scorpion, will he? And so what's this saying? When you ask of God, he gives you a good thing, not a bad thing. That's real simple, right? But not only this, it's not just a good thing, it's the greatest. Because he says in verse 13, and this is the point of the story, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so God gives good gifts. But it's not just many gifts, but it's also about the quality of his gifts. And specifically, this one, the Holy Spirit, that he gives to us. There's none greater than the presence of God residing in one, in us. And that's what God gives us. He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's no greater gift. I I hope today you know that because what that means is you have a relationship with God. Those who are the children of God have the Spirit of God living inside them. Remember Romans 8 that we reflected on just a little bit? That we can cry out to the Father and say, Daddy, lead me through this day. There's no greater gift than the Spirit. And that's what the Father gives to us. Maybe today that's part of your prayer. The Spirit of God never changes in us. There's not days where we have less, like 75. It's not like your iPhone where, you know, you need, you know, he's, he's going down. He's always present. The Holy Spirit is. He's fully in us. But sometimes our, our sails are not set the way they should be. And so sometimes we got to pray, Lord, may the wind of your spirit, the power, strength of your wind, the Holy Spirit, may it just blow in my sails today that I would be obedient, that I would submit, that I would follow you, that I would live out your kingdom. And that's what the fullness of the Holy Spirit is. It's when we live like Jesus. And so that's what we're praying here. And that's what God gives to us. He gives us the Spirit so we can live out the life of Jesus here on earth. And so I pray today, man, that you see prayer through that lens, that we get to have a relationship with the Father, that we get to meet with him, and that he is holy, that he is altogether good, and he wants us to grab his hand and say, lead me through this day, Dad, because I need you. Defend me, protect me, guide me, hold me up. Help me live out the kingdom of God the best I can with your help as your Holy Spirit blows in my sails for your glory. Let's pray.